Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the League One Lowdown, a weekly podcast on the big news and hot topics coming from the third tier of English football. There's just one guest with me this week, um, it's Alex Brum, there's no there's no Matt Isles this week, uh, but Brum, we'll, we'll battle on without him, won't we? Uh, yeah, I suppose we will. It's a big loss, but I'm sure we can be capable to talk our way through what answers usually do. Yeah, well, another team that suffered a big loss was, of course, uh, Doncaster. Well, two teams, Doncaster and Portsmouth, in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, let's go to Charlton against Doncaster first. Of course, we predicted last week on the podcast that Charlton would um, come away with a win, um, and they did. Uh, Brum, um, first of all, uh, what did you make of that game, um, and did it go exactly as you expected? Um, I yeah, pr- well, it went as I expected in the balance of the game and the balance of the match and the result. I fully expected Charlton to outplay Doncaster, which they did, and I thought they might have won more comfortably. And at one stage, when they scored those two quick fire goals in the first half, you're thinking, oh god, they could actually like put the tie to bed here and now. But then, um, if you just said at half time, I bet you any Doncaster fan, if you'd said to them, oh, you're only going to lose this game by one goal, they'd absolutely snatch your hands off for it. So you've got to give credit to the way they came out to the second half. They, it was a little bit tighter. They're perhaps unlucky not to concede anyway. But they took only to get that late goal, it gives them a fighting chance on um, tomorrow night, Friday night. But it, it's, it's obviously still really chance to lose. Do so you think home advantage, the better team, they probably should be able to get over the line on Friday night. Well, of course, there were two quick-fire goals in the first half for Charlton, uh, but Doncaster did pull one back. That one does sort of give them a chance, doesn't it, heading into the second leg? If you, if it was 2-0, a 2-0 advantage heading to the Valley, um, a ground where Charlton have such a great record this season, you probably wouldn't give Doncaster a, a can health chance of getting back into it. But uh, do you think there's any chance at all with that goal? Matty Blair, I think, was a couple of minutes from time. Do you think that gives them a glimmer of hope that they might come back in the second leg? There is always a chance, but Charlton haven't lost at home since early October, and that's the strength which they have of their home form. They 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 ended Luton's was it thirty odd game unbeaten streak at the Valley. They are a proper good side at home, and I I can't see Char- I can't see Doncaster really threatening enough to be able to turn the tie around. And I think Charlton might win that a couple by a couple of goals to nil. I think it'll be a pretty comfortable evening, and then joyous scenes at the end as they get to Wembley. Mm, I don't think many people would disagree. Of course, Charlton have such a strong record. Um, although uh, there was, is a fun fact, the last game they did lose at home was in the cup against Doncaster. So you never know; it's not quite done. And of course, we saw in the championship last night. You know, there can be lots of twists and turns in the playoffs. Um, let's move on to the second uh, playoff game. Uh, it, the first leg was um, a home win for Sunderland over Portsmouth. Uh, Chris Maguire volley in the second half secured uh, the victory for Sunderland and means they'll take a, uh, a 1-0 advantage into the second leg at Fratton Park. Um, what did you make of that game, Brum? I mean, it was, a, it, was, it, was a, it was a weird game because Sunderland were playing in front of a small crowd considering it's the playoffs. Um, it, it was quite even, um, but of course that moment of magic from Chris Maguire uh, was the difference, wasn't it? Yeah, and I've got to say it's an absolutely fantastic goal from Chris Maguire. It really was the way... Um positioned himself you saw him back off when um the attacker i can't remember who his boss was running with the ball down the wing and he found that bit of space in the penalty hoping it would drop from exactly how it did and then the execution of the volley as well was excellent it was a great technique watched on to his foot and fired into the corner it was a really really good goal and it shows what he's capable of despite probably not playing as much as i wanted to recently for sunderland but for the game itself well i didn't watch that much of it. i was too busy talking to luke and dave but <laughs> it, uh, from what I did see, it was pretty even. I thought Port. I thought I was expecting um, 
Well, I predicted one nil Sunderland, so I got the scoreline spot on. But I was perhaps expecting a little bit more from Portsmouth as well. As well as watching, they didn't really threaten as much as I was expecting them to. I thought they'd really like take the game to Sunderland, and it was ended. It was just pretty fifty-fifty. Mm. And I think a one nil scoreline, based on the quality of the goal, you probably say is fair on, on the on the overall balance of the game. So that was a goal which is good enough to win a game like that. You can't really argue it's a great bit of skill from Maguire. But it does um, keep the tide nicely poised for um, tonight, Thursday night, where anything could really happen. Like, you wouldn't really, I can't really call it's going to go through. So I'm, I'm not sure many other people would be able to either. Mm. It wasn't a particularly great performance from from Portsmouth, considering this is a massive game. Um, obviously, the, the playoffs, they've had quite a few injuries. Um, you did predict, actually, in the in the podcast, that you did predict that Sunderland would win the first leg, but you did predict... Uh, Portsmouth would turn it around the second leg. Do you still do you still believe that? Um, judge, you know, obviously, of course, uh, that first uh, leg performance probably won't have given you much uh, hope of that happening. But do you still believe that? I do. Yes, I think Portsmouth will definitely win on the night. I'm not sure about um, progressing altogether. I think this one's destined for extra time, where it can be anyone's game. Mm. But I think Portsmouth might win one nil or two one, take it to extra time. We've quite we've seen quite a few of these stuff go to extra time actually. Like yeah. Newport, West Brom, they've all like two games already. So I think this one might follow a similar suit to that, maybe. But it's it's going to be really, really hard to call it. I think these two teams um are pretty equal. There's some in the in the sense that they're harder to beat, but Portsmouth are probably more likely to win if you get my drift. Like Sunderland mm. may be able to not lose a game, but they can't really like win a game because they've drawn so many this season. Well, Portsmouth they are either really good or really bad, so it's it's going to be an, it's going to be an interesting one, but I, I do think Portsmouth will get the win of the night and take it to extra time at least, if not win it in ninety minutes. Mm. Whilst we're on the topic of, uh, of 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 course Sunderland and uh, and Chris Maguire, he caused quite a bit of a stir as he usually does with his antics on the pitch. I saw a few people um, sort of not happy with that, a few people loving it. What's your opinion on his sort of um, his his sort of way on the pitch? I think I really like. I think you need a bit of. Um, uh, a bit of a character on the pitch sometimes, like a bit of a pantomime for them. I think it bodes well only if he can like control that, so it doesn't take over like his game altogether. Yeah. Uh, if if you can get the balance between like winding up the opposition players and fans, and then like your, your like his own like performance of quality on the ball, if he can get that balance right, which I believe he does a lot of the time, then that's fine. But it's when he like starts like play acting, diving properly like I saw a clip of him calling the referee a bold um see you the c word on Twitter like you're gonna get mm. yourself sent off if he'd have heard that I would, I'd, he's gonna get at least booked for doing that but you can't you can't do that on the pitch I'm not sure what law it comes under but I'd be mm. I'd be amazed if you can just go and call the referee a bold C-U-N-T and then get away with it it'd just be absolutely staggering and then mm. he, he needs to be able to limit himself so he doesn't get too riled up and he could just focus on a little bit of winding up and aggravs, that's fine. But it's then when you actually use it to take over, that's when it's probably going imp- to harm his team more than it will help his team. Mm, I totally agree. I think if you're, if, if you, if you, if you, if you, it's all right to have the arrogance if you can back it up. And I think this season he has for Sunderland. He's not played. I think Sunderland uh, fans have sort of been um, desperate for him to play more games. Obviously, he didn't start this game, but I think ended up getting the man of the match award despite coming on at about the 60th minute. So I think that says everything. He's definitely got the talent. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, I mean, it of course won them the game and I probably I probably expect him to start in the second game, actually. Um, let's move on because the whole sort of uh, real main subject of this podcast is we're going to do a season review. Um, we're we're going to do uh, a few of these uh, going through the teams and their positions in League One and rating their seasons. 
Uh, this season, we're going to look to the bottom of the division from uh, between uh, 24th and 18th in League One. Um, let's focus, uh, let's go, let's go to straight away. Bradford, of course, finished bottom of the league, started the season under the stewardship of Michael Collins. Uh, he was sacked, uh, quite early on. They replaced him with former player, David Hopkin. He resigned, um, after a few months in charge, they ended up with Gary Bowie, but of course, none of them could prevent Bradford from staying up. Um, would you say, Brum, that Bradford City in the 2000 and 18-19 season were, were the biggest underachievers in the league? Um, yeah, absolutely. They, I think they, they were right from the get-go when they appointed um, Michael Collins for his first ever managerial job, I think they're probably a little bit up against it in the sense that they could have gone for perhaps someone with a little bit more experience and not, not such a big risk. And then performances right from the off were not what they wanted them to be. They're bottom of the league pretty much like from from early August all the way through like they don't think they've really got out of the relegation zone so there's their, their poor appointment as manager sort of set the tone for the whole season and they, they've bought they've had way too many players I was looking for how many players they signed thinking it'd be oh good 15-20 in, in the course of the season guess how many players they signed Joe? 24-5 um, they, they signed 38 players over 38? The the yep that's what um, Transfer Market told me so unless that's wrong Unless that was their whole squad altogether. I don't think it was. I think that's the amount of signing. That, that includes like loan signings. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the whole... Wow, wow, that's wow. not... It was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they got a bit of money from White. I think it's about 600000 for when he left um, for Sunderland. So you're thinking, oh, reinvest it sm- smartly. Maybe make a handful of signings that are really going to help the team. But they just saw a free agent and thought, yeah, we want you. Saw a free agent, yeah, we want you. Like Butterfield, Caddis. They didn't need those sort of players. They just bought them because they could. They got them because they were available. And ultimately, it's... That sort of like massive squad, it can't be good for team morale. No, I'm not sure. Um, uh, how, obviously, only 18 players can get picked in the match. So, squad you got probably up to about 15 at times, just sitting out for the for the game, mm. and then you got you you could even bring in new players. It's just not. It just doesn't bode well for a successful team in the league. Mm. And then they've probably got ultimately what they deserved. Yeah, I mean, for for Bradford though, I think at the start of the season when you look to their signings and you saw they were bringing in Doyle, who's a proven goal scorer at this level, Jack Payne. Uh, Scannell, <clears throat> amongst others. I, th- I don't think many people would have predicted them to finish in the bottom four, um, or even close to the bottom four come the end of the season, let alone bottom of the entire division. Um, do you think there, there was any sort of um, glimmer of positivity for them this season? Who do you think, was there any player that, that you know is, is giving them hope going into next season at all? Well, I think the, the the positivity they've got to stick to is they've got one of the best managers they could have in this circumstances to be able mm. to turn it around in Gary Bowyer. I think that's an excellent appointment. And the fact he is actually willing to stay after their relegation, they should be um, bored to be really grateful for because he's shown what he's done under um, Blackpool, Blackburn. He can work under really tight... Um, like under under tight resources and like yeah, get the best to, out of what yeah. he has, and he's already released 11, 11 players, which is exactly what he needed to do. Mm. Just get rid of all the deadwood from the squad. Yeah, like you, it was, it was too, you're too big to really be successful. And he'll bring in a couple of his own players, and I think he'll do well next season with what he's got. I'm not sure if they'll go back back up straight away, but in the, like the transition process, they'll have a decent season next year, and probably the season after that attack promotion. I think they'll go out there. And that's just my thoughts. So, do you agree? Uh, I think yeah, I think I do. I think I think you're spot on in terms of Bowie being the right man for the job. I think he's uh, it was it was a very similar job he had really at, at Blackpool, uh, a club yeah. that 
um, went into League Two. Uh, probably, well, I think it was, a, it was a big club for League Two at the time because they recently had uh, Premier League experience under Ian Holloway. So it was sort of a, a, a quick um, spiral downwards for Blackpool. I think it's been similar for Bradford. You know, a couple of seasons ago, they were one game away from getting into the Championship and Stuart McCall, and now they find themselves in League Two. So it's a very similar sort of job where it's a big club. He's having to sort of completely rebuild up a relegation into the fourth tier. And I don't see any better person to, to do that job. And of course, the, you mentioned the clear outs begun, 11 players just out the door straight away. I think, you know, there, there may be more to follow and there'll be a lot of signings. I imagine there'll be a lot of new players coming in for Bradford. So it's, the rebuild's got to begun. But, you know, I, I suppose the obvious question is, uh, you know, where do they need to improve for next season? Well, I imagine the answer to that would be sort of all over the pitch, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, they need to... I think they've their best players. I think Doyle and um, Payne they're both on loan, aren't they? So uh, no, to... I think I think Doyle might be. I think Doyle's a permanent. Doyle permanent. Oh, yeah. is he? Well, that's good. They've got him. If it's a League Two, he'll be he'll be an absolute goal machine. He'll definitely score at least fifteen, twenty goals in the season. I think he's a top quality finisher for League One level, let alone down in League Two. They'll need to sign a, a creator like to replace Payne pretty smartly. But other than that, I think. Just getting rid of players is more important than bringing players in. In their case, maybe free up the wage budget, get a couple of um, decent players. I'm not sure who who Boya has in mind, really. I'm not. I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head who might have worked with him before. It's available. You can well, I mean, Mark Cullen's been released by Blackpool. Has he? Yeah, uh, that would not surprise me at all. Then because they did really. I didn't realise he'd been released by Actually, that's quite surprising. Okay. I think. The, yeah, that's that's a very realistic target. Then definitely, I think you probably would look to try and at least have some talks with him. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on to a team where it's sort of been a sim- quite a similar story um, in terms of underachievement and disappointment. It's Scunthorpe United. Uh, they started the season under the stewardship of Nick Dawes. Uh, he was uh, sacked again very early on and replaced by former Bradford manager Stuart McCall. Uh, he had a decent start, but it fizzled out quickly. Uh, the end of the season with uh, caretaker Andy Dawson in charge, but he couldn't turn the ship around and and Scunthorpe will be exiting League Two, uh, League One, and going into League Two for next season. Um, same question, really. Where where did it go wrong for Scunthorpe? Um, so when they they sacked they sacked they they, they sacked Nick Dawes like way too. And you either give him a bit of time or you don't give him the job in the first place and get mm. him a call in right from the get go because they put him a call at the end of August. The transfer window just closing. He's not really got. Didn't have the pre season with the players. Didn't have enough time to probably put a stamp under what he wanted to do. And that just like that that just hindered them. Like, well, I don't see why how you could sack a manager that early into the season. Like, if you didn't, if you'd sack him if it went wrong that quickly, what was the point of mm. appointing him in the first place? You'd have faith in him. So mm. it just absolutely like put them and I'd right under it from the get go again, similarly to Bradford. And then they again they made too many news. I think I was looking earlier, and I'm not sure. I think I must have got this wrong. It, as it said, Sam Scumford made 31 sides. Surely Scumford didn't make 31 sides. No, no, no. That, that just must be their squad side. So I must have read that wrong then, whatever I did. So if I have apologies for that. But they still made a lot of signings. Mm. And then it it just it just doesn't bode well at this level when you've got um all those players um yeah. you know, such a big squad. But it just... I, I can't... like All the like the, the, the successful teams, you see, like Luton squad, they won the league. They're pretty... Well, so... A maximum of 25 first-team players, a couple out on loan. Now, they've got a good, close, tight-knit squad, and your team, it's easy to get a bit of team spirit going and keep um, mm. the morales in the camp high. But when you've got a bigger squad, it's really difficult to do that. And then when things start to go um, badly, it's hard to turn it around because you've got to like switch over like the mentality of so many players. And then it's gone for just never really got going this season. And when they did um, go down, they... Um, 
probably wouldn't they wouldn't have expected it with the players they've got. But then if you don't get the results, what else can you expect? Mm, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's Scunthorpe and Bradford. They found themselves well, quite similar seasons, really, in, in some ways, in the terms of they took a gamble on an, an unproven manager in the summer. Both those clubs, Bradford with Collins and Scunthorpe with Dawes, and then they sort of just gave up on that experiment quite early on, um, and it, it really backfired on them, and they've really recovered from 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 a bad start. Scunthorpe did turn it around mid-season, and I suppose um, really for them it was they hit former. Uh, not maybe the right time because they they, they ran out uh, of steam really towards the end of the season and they couldn't buy a win towards the end. Uh, whereas they went on a quite a good run, I think, in, in January. I think Stuart McCall actually got manager of the month. Um, you know, I think it might have been January or February. So, um, you know, for Scunthorpe, it's quite a weird season because um, I've had some good moments, but, you know, the the bad moments and the low moments outweigh them massively and they end up in, uh, in, in League Two. I imagine they're going to, um, again follow Bradford and get a few players out the door and and um, and try and rebuild um, what, you know is it, is it a case of just getting a new a new squad uh, sort of the old squad out and the new squad in again for, for Scunthorpe um, yes but probably not to the extent it's a bad for them. I mean again Scunthorpe have made an excellent appointment of Paul Hurst he's, I'm yeah. surprised he's dropped all the way down to League 2 to be fair I thought there'd be a club in League 1 perhaps Southend mm. or Gillingham maybe and look for his services but the fact he's willing to go to League Two was gone for. Just, but I suppose he, when he was Grinchy manager, you might like. I think he does reside from the area. To be fair, so like location was a factor mm. for him. But he, he's a, he's, a, he's a brilliant manager for level. He's, he's other than a tough job at Ipswich, and it was a tough job. Like, uh, what he took over, he's not he's not really done badly. Over he's been getting. I, I saw something like he's had seven appearances in playoffs in ten years in management, which is ridiculous. Like he shows he's always yeah. aiming. Like for the for the top end of the league, and he usually gets it. Mm. And getting Shrewsbury to the player final the other year was a sensational achievement. So they've got a manager in him who can really um, put his um, mark down and put his um, stamp on the club. He's not afraid to make big changes. He he, he does have those um, a select group of players who he likes to um, take with him, like when he when he switches jobs and whatnot. So he, he's he's the sort of manager I think's gone for. He he will do what they want, and that's make the hard hard big calls and get rid of players they don't need, and then they'll be fresh to probably rebuild again next year. Mm, mm. I think with Paul Hurst, I think it's, as you mentioned, a, a very, very good appointment. Um, and yeah, he'll be looking, I think, to, to for them to immediately bounce back up to, to League One. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly expect them to be challenging at the top end of, of League Two next season. I think they're, they're going to invest um, pretty well, I think, in, in, in new players. How big a loss do you think uh, someone like Josh Morris is going to be who looks set for a move to the Championship? Um, is that going to be a, a big loss and a free transfer as well? Well, it, it is. Um, they're going to miss him, of course, but he didn't actually play that well for them this season. I think he only scored five or six goals in the league. So his contribution like, compared to the season before when he got, I think it was about 20. Is, is is it just shows that if he's um he's not like irreplaceable, they could get. But I think Adam Hamill's still under contract for next year anyway. And I think him and League Two is a frightening mm. thought. He's one yeah. of I always really liked him at Barnsley. He's a proper winger, runs at your defenders, gets them from range. He's a really really good winger. So I think if they can get Adam Hamill performing, I don't think they'll miss um Josh Morris at all because scoring. But he, he didn't play well last season. Maybe he's under the sort of player who plays well and the team plays well. Or it could be the other way if he plays well, he makes everyone around play. I'm not, I'm not really too sure on that one. But if you're only scoring five goals to, when you scored over 20 the year before, then I'm not sure how bad he can be, Mister. Really. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. Um, moving on to the team that finished 22nd in League Two, and that was Walsall. Again, they made actually a fantastic start to the season, didn't they? Under Dean Keats, they were in the, I think, in the top six uh, very early on in the season. I remember when they played against um, my team, Oxford. They looked very impressive with Morgan Ferrier, a real, a really mobile um, threat at the top of the pitch up front for them. Uh, I remember George Dobson pulling the strings in midfield and uh, Zeli Ishmael causing problems on the wing, but it sort of went all went very wrong very quickly and they ended up um, getting relegated. Um, I mean, what went wrong for them? Because it, it looked so promising um, at the beginning of, um, under Dean Keats, but it just sort of just capi- they capitulated very quickly. And once they did, they couldn't turn it around. Yeah, it's a funny one, Walsall. Because after 12 games, they were fifth in the league with 22 points, which... That is like, obviously like, like, as it shows. So they were above Luton after twelve games, like the league champions. That's playoff wow. form. And then suddenly it did. They just lost the game. I, I think you might, I can't remember which game it was. They just they lost the game, and then they just seemed to not be able to really recover from that game. Mm. And they just kept going down and down and down. And then they just. I thought, if you'd have said at that point after twelve games, then Wolves are going to be relegated. People would be like, no, like, surely not. But then there was, they just kept falling, falling, falling. And I'm, not, I'm not, I honestly can't say that they lost um, Ginelli in January, which probably didn't help the masses. But Andy Cook still kept scoring really, like, like dried up slightly towards the end of the season. But he still kept putting the mm. ball in the net to the extent you'd expect like a mid-table striker to. And then Zeli Ishmael, as you say, was playing well. And it, it, it's weird. I, I can't personally explain. Maybe Keats lost the dressing room. I'm, I'm not sure. But he got sacked. It didn't really improve much under um, the new guy either. Um, What's the name? Martin O'Connor. Mm. So it, so it, it may, it, maybe it wasn't a manager thing. Maybe just ultimately the quality of the squad just probably wasn't enough to get them out of trouble. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's very weird. It was, a, it was almost a gradual decline over the course of the season where they just kept tumbling down and down and out. And that, that slide never never stopped. You know, they just kept on going and ended up going down. Um, Walsall have, uh, I think, I believe, as we record this, they haven't released their retained list. And I think they've got 19 out-of-contract players. So I imagine there's going to be big changes um, at Walsall. They've appointed former Bristol Rovers manager Daryl Clark as their new boss. Um, do you feel optimistic that um, the former longest-serving League One club will bounce back straight away next season? Mm, not too sure about bouncing back straight away. It depends who they can keep, really. I'd imagine um, Cook will stay if he's in contract, and he's probably the most important player. He's not averting a move back to League One, though, with his goals. You know, He scored goals for a struggling side, you know, that's going to attract a bit of interest, isn't it? So they might they might lose him as well. Perhaps, but if it does, they'll get a bit of money. But usually at this level, if a team wants to pay for, if a team wants to strike and they wants to play on their own contract, they have to pay over the odds generally to be yeah. able to get him. So if he does go, they'll probably get a decent amount of money with him, which you'd think would be reinvested into the playing staff, or at least a good proportion of it would be. But if if he does stay, then they've got a really good starting point for someone to build the team around, like for next season. But must be one of the best strikers in D two next year. D two is looking fairly weak, I'd say. I can't really. Um, I mean, all the all the good teams of League two seem to get promoted out of it, and I'd fancy like, all four of these relegated teams to at least be in the top half. I don't think any of them are going to struggle like Chesterwood did the other year. Well, I can't see like a squad of absolute deadwood. I think they've all got um, good. They've all gonna, got all going to get good managers who they can really actually build something within League 2 next year mm, I, th- I, see, I saw that Bristol Rovers um, released quite a few players um, this season do you expect that Daryl Clark uh, the former manager there will will go after a few of those players like yeah, Ledbetter sure Sinclair 
Yeah, I, I was thinking Sinclair. Um, when they, I thought actually Lyons as well, but he signed for Northampton pretty quickly. So I think yeah. Sinclair might follow um, Clark into Wolves. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that would be a fairly smart signing. So that's the sort of level-headed player you need, really. Like, it's not it's not a risk. Like Clark knows exactly what he's getting from him. And, he, and he's good. Like, he was in um, the promotion when he signed from BT for Bristol Rovers. So he, he, is, he is a decent player for the level. Yeah, so that's not a bad signing if they get him. Mm, yeah, I think another one for Walsall is uh, their goalkeeper, Liam Roberts, who I've been impressed by in the past. I think his form dropped off towards the end of the season, and that was probably a big factor why they, why, a big reason, I should say, why they why they went down as, as one of their key players sort of dropped off. But I think if they can get good performance out of him next season, he'll be a, he'll be key in their uh, in their promotion push. Uh, let's move on to the final team that um, who will be heading to League Two next season. That's Plymouth Argyle again, another team that maybe you probably wouldn't have ex- suspected to see expected to see, I should say, in the bottom four at the start of the season. They were knocking on the door of the playoffs last season, but the season sort of ended uh, in complete disaster for Plymouth. Uh, Their form really just completely capitulated. Uh, The scenes at Accrington in the penultimate game of the campaign, uh, uh, Derek Adams booed and abused off the pitch. It really ended in in complete disaster. And despite winning on the final day against uh, Scunthorpe, um, they will be going down to League Two, um, what do you make of Plymouth season, uh, Broom? You know, again, it's it's another sort of case of just a team that once they went on a bad run, just just couldn't turn it around. Yeah, it is, and based on their players, their attackers in particular, they should not be anywhere near the bottom four. Their front four of Carey, Sarsovich, Lemiris, and Ladapo. I think most teams in the league would be happy with a front four of yeah. um, those players. So they're all deaf. They're they're, they're quality players, like all four of them. And the fact they actually managed to get relegated with those four on their team suggests to me that their problem is completely the other end of the pitch and defence. But you've got Ladapo, who's got 19 goals, so he's almost a 20 goal a season striker. That's like your first box tick, you know where your goals are coming from. And then Carey and Namira, I saw chip, both chipped in as well, I think almost 20 goals between them, and uh, almost, I think similar numbers in assists. And then your, um, there's like where you're, where you're going to get your creators from. So I, don't, I really don't know how they managed to go on that massive plunge towards the end of the season and get relegated. It can only be, for me, that Derek Adams lost the dressing room, the players didn't trust him anymore, and perhaps if they'd have sacked him maybe a month earlier, Plymouth wouldn't have gone down, because I think he probably, I think he was the main reason why they could not get the results needed to be able to stay in the league. I think the manager just lost the dressing room. Those key players for Plymouth, you mentioned Lemires, Carey, Ladapo, how many of those do you think they'll keep going into League Two? Because, again, I imagine, you mentioned just there, that League One clubs, maybe even Championship clubs, but some of them might, might be interested in their services. Yeah, I think both. Um, I think Ladapo might stay if he's under contract, but Carey, Lemires and Sarsic, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think all three are out of contract. So I, I would, would not surprise if they didn't keep any of them. I think... I've heard that Coventry are interested in Graham Carey, so that'd be a smart signing for them. Mm. Coventry are doing their business early, like they usually do. They've already signed McFadden, so it shows the, 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 the way they're aiming next season, which is up. But for Plymouth, if they lose those three players, they've got they've got some serious replacements. I know they've um, offered contracts to... Um, uh, I think they've offered contracts to Carey, uh, Sarsfield, Lewis and Joel Grant, I saw as well. So they want to keep their attacking players. So they're, they're happy at that end of the pitch. They're just going to have to be, um, get some better defence in the transfer window. They want to really be able to push on and do as well as they should be doing in League Two. 
Moving on to Derek Adams, who's quite a divisive figure within football. Do you think he'll find it tough to find another job in 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 England? Because although his achievements for for the most part at Plymouth, toward, except for the sort of the end bit, were actually quite impressive. You know, he got them promoted to to League to League One. They almost finished in the playoffs in, in his first season um, in that division. Um, but do you think his sort of um, his demeanour uh, will prevent him from getting further work in in on these shores? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I don't know who. Because if Barry do lose Ryan Lowe to Plymouth, I, I think he might be the sort of manager they go for. Because they're gonna their primary objective is going to be to survive, and maybe they saw Adams's first season in League One with Plymouth. The fact he turned him around, he managed to turn it around and had such a disastrous start and end up pushing for the playoffs. That might be something that appeals to them. But if he doesn't get a job in uh, England, I'm sure Scott, Scottish football is where he came from. He'll be able to go back there pretty easily mate, and just get a job in the second tier in Scotland or something if he wants it. But he, he isn't a bad man. Like, for all his, um, uh, the controversies around him, he's not actually a bad manager. Like He, he can um, do quite well if he's given the, the chance. It's just a shame. Well, it's not a shame because I don't like the bloke. But it, it's a shame for him that it ended in such a sour way at Plymouth, really. Mm. Uh, moving on to a team that, despite finishing on the same amount of points as Plymouth, will be a lot happier, I imagine, come the end of the season. That's AFC Wimbledon. Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't be—I don't think it's an understatement at all to call it a great escape. Uh, I think in March, February time, they were about ten points adrift uh, from safety when Wally Downs came in. It was—it looked like an impossible job to keep them in League One, but he achieved it. Um, I mean, we, we've spoken about uh, Wimbledon before and, and, and sort of their, their great great escape on, on, on the podcast before, but it's worth going over just how impressive it was that Wally Downs managed to keep them up, isn't it, after what, what looked like uh, a lost cause that they did, didn't they? Yeah, it absolutely is. He deserves massive amounts of credit for that because they looked completely dead and buried. Um, uh, Wimbledon and uh, Rochdale, I think, at the time, thought, oh, those two are going to go down. It's going to be two others when Bradford's turn form started to pick up a bit, but... They both, um, Wimbledon and Rochdale, managed to completely turn it around with their new managers. That's full credit to them. I think um, Woody Downs just went really back to basics. He knew he knew the sort of um, players he had with him. He wanted to keep games physical and use his... Um, but this quite a big side at Wimbledon used their strength, which they've got all over the pitch and the pitch. <laughs> all over the pitch and the pitch, which they've got all over the pitch to be able to um, play to and use um, their um, bigger, more physical players to be able to keep the ball, hold it up, make it difficult for the opponent, get in your face, that sort of way. And once they started winning towards um, mid-March, it didn't really stop. And then they absolutely completely deserved to step. If Wally Downs can go in and turn around that dressing room the way he did, it'd, it'd have been such a... Like, he wouldn't have deserved to get relegated if they'd have perhaps slipped up on the final day and just ended up going down by a point. He wouldn't have deserved it at all after the runner form he got going before that. Where do you think Wimbledon can build on for next season, uh, and where do you think, uh, what do you think the the ambition and the aims for next season for Wimbledon will be? Because I'm sure, despite um, obviously pulling off, uh, you know, the escape from relegation this season, they won't want they won't want another relegation battle next season, will they? Uh, I do think their primary objective will be just to avoid relegation. Like first and foremost, that's what Wimbledon should look to. But after that, then I think they could possibly look to push for a top half finish. Maybe look, I wouldn't say look as far as the playoffs because it's good. It's gonna be like quite the um, good, good, good quality um, up there next season. But if they can just get first and foremost stay up, and then look a little bit above the table, put, pushing into um, the top half, maybe just avoid the relegation battle. I think that'll be a successful season next year for Wimbledon. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's, it's, it's a weird one, Bumble. I think they'll be probably working on a, on a relatively modest budget next season, I imagine. I think it'll be also key to keep some of their play. I think Joe Piggott has been really important in their survival um, this season for, for Wimbledon. Um, I think it'll be, again, keeping hold of players like that who've been really important. Also, I want to mention uh, Aaron Ramsdale, who's, of course, um, been, been on loan at Wimbledon from Bournemouth. Uh, I'm not sure what Bournemouth are going to do with him next season, but he's been mightily impressive um, since coming on loan to, to the League One club. And um, look, you know, Bournemouth need a new goalkeeper next season. They're, they're you know, going after Jack Butler for 30 million. I think they've got a great young keeper in Ramsdale. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what they'll do with him next season, but it'll be interesting to find out. Um, let's move on to the other two clubs that were safe in League One, uh, but only just South End. And uh, and Shrewsbury with Southend, of course, they were still very much in the in the mix to go down on the final day. And uh, Stephen Humphrey's goal late on against Sunderland secured their survival. Um, again, a, a team that was in mid table for a lot of the season, but got stuck in a rut and couldn't get out of it, but did just manage to escape um, under the stewardship of Kevin Bond after the departure of Chris Powell as manager. Um, uh, you know, what, what did you make of them this season, um, bro? Uh, well, they started off the season pretty well. They were, they, you, I don't think they'd have been too um, displeased with the way they started. And then it just seemed that Powell just, he just couldn't buy a win at one stage. There was a ridiculously um, long run without a win. Was it 14 games towards the back end of the season? And then I'm sure South End fans were fearing the worst because they, their form was just awful. They, they, were, they weren't necessarily um, playing badly in some of the, some of the games. Um, one that shocks you in particular the game against Portsmouth on TV they're 3-0 down and then come out and with the character they had in the second half to battle back in level 3-3 it shows that the team mm. didn't that character they had fight it, it just perhaps they were too leaky at the back which is the reason why they were why they struggled so badly but then um, Kevin Bond came in and he instantly managed to turn it on maybe not necessarily with results but in terms of performance wise other than a little blip against Wickham the performances improved straight away he um went he went back. I think he is again maybe a little bit similarly to um what what he down. He went back to bases, set up the four four two formation, made them try, made them hard to beat, and then uh, when they did um get the wins they needed, and that, especially that final day when he gets on, it, it really brought um brought the club together. What they could have achieved perhaps at the other end of the tables. I'm not sure Southend would have been looking to a relegation battle at the start of the season. They'd have been looking to hopefully push for the playoffs. So maybe that's a sign for things to come. I'm not sure if Bond's going to get the job yet. I'm not sure if anyone knows that. But if he does, then I think they can certainly be looking up the table next year rather than another relegation battle again. Mm, I think I think it's looking increasingly likely that Kevin Bond will get the job now. Um, and he probably deserves it as well after after the achievement uh, that he um, had at South End. Um, I think for, for them next season, again, they've actually got some pretty decent players. I wouldn't say it's a, it's a weak squad at South End. Humphreys, of course, they got in in January. I think has made a big impact. He's been injured for a, for a, for a short while, and, and maybe that um, worked against them. But I think he's he's been a real physical presence at the top of the pitch um, for them. Uh, looking beyond that, Michael Kitely is a, is a decent player. Simon Cox is a goal scorer. So I think just building on top of what they've got already is is, is the key for for South End uh, next season. Um, where where they can finish next season is, is difficult to say. I think again they'll be hoping for after this season, probably just progress, and, and I'm sure they'll probably take mid-table obscurity, maybe a top-half finish. Uh, what do you think about that? 
Um, yeah, I think if they keep Kevin Bond, which if you say they're likely to do, I think they'll avoid a relegation battle. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd, I'd agree with that actually. Um, mid mid table, not in a relegation fight, could finish in the top half if they hit form at the right titles into the season, maybe a playoff push. But I think they'll definitely be one of the teams to just stay in the league next year. They won't be going up or down. Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Um, moving on to the final uh, club of the seven clubs that we're going to be reviewing from the bottom of League One, and that's Shrewsbury Town. Um, obviously, they, they came very, very close to reaching the championship at a poor Hurst last season. This season has been very, very different. Of course, they were, they were of course, a bit of a surprise package when they got to Wembley and Hurst, and this has been sort of uh, a, a back down to reality, really, with a bit of a bump this season. Uh, they appointed John Askey at the start of the campaign from Macclesfield. Uh, he didn't really work out at all, and they replaced him uh, with Sam Ricketts. Um, for, who was, of course, doing very well with Wrexham, who managed to just about steer them away from trouble. But um, I, I think I think there is there's still some 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 fans at Shrewsbury not too not too sure on Sam Ricketts and, and the job he's 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 done and is going to do. Uh, what do you what do you make of Shrewsbury this season? And is Sam Ricketts the right man to lead them forward? Um, I think Shrewsbury had a season which they were probably like even though they got to the playoff on last year, deep down I think they knew they that was just a bit of a freak season. That was a bit of one off. They don't I think I think most people at the club knew they wouldn't be able to repeat that. They lost Hurst, lost Carlton Morris, lost John Nolan, lost a lot of their key players from that playoff season. Mm. And then I think they knew they wouldn't be able to um reach the heights of that again. And then bringing in John Askey, he, he did a pretty good job at Macclesfield. I mean, well, a pretty good job. He did an amazing job winning the conference at Macclesfield. And then, but he just, it's big. It's a big jump up from the conference to League One football when you're going from playing against like mm, yeah. East, Eastleigh and Bournemouth and whatnot to then Sunderland and Portsmouth. Like that is a, it's, it's a huge jump up. And then if perhaps the jump was just a little too big for him to handle, he couldn't really... Um, Get the best out of the players he got, and he brought in a few. He brought in um a few players that perhaps would have raised eyebrows. And then when he got sacked, giving it to Ricketts, I thought at the time was yeah, I thought it was a brilliant appointment. I thought he was um, I thought what he did with Wrexham, he had them consistently fighting at the top end of the league. Is it more proven? You could say um as a consistent winner. But I'm not too sure on him now. I think he's he's an okay manager. I don't think he's um brilliant. I think he'll. I think he'll do an. All, I think he's done an all right job with Shrewsbury so far. Done what he expected to do, which is keep them in the league, and they haven't really managed to push on, finishing seventh bottom. Like perhaps once they um, were, say, they got they won a couple of games towards the back end of March. They'd have liked to end the season well, maybe aim for the top half, see if they could um, get up there with Oxford and Gillingham. They just didn't quite manage to um, do that. So perhaps he lacks motivation once the um, once the task is once the objective is achieved. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not really too sure on Ricketts. To be fair, I think he's okay. Nothing more. Mm, okay. Well, yeah. So we've we've looked at those seven clubs. Um, I'm going to ask you uh, out of those seven clubs, who has disappointed you and who has underachieved most out of those out of those clubs this season that we just reviewed. Um, I don't think you can really look past Bradford. To be fair, finishing. Mm bottom of the league with the players they had, how well they've done in the league before that. Like I don't think anyone would have expected them to struggle the way they have done. So it, yeah, they've got to be the biggest underachievers. How about you? Um I think yeah, I mean I don't disagree that it's been a really, really poor season for Bradford, but I just really wasn't expecting to see Scunthorpe in that equation at all. I think when Bradford appointed Michael Collins, I was it was definitely raised eyebrows there. But even despite the appointment of Nick Dawes, 
I thought that Scunthorpe would be at the very worst sort of bottom half, uh, mid table ish. I don't, I, I never expected them to see them in the bottom four. So it's been a very disappointing campaign for them and Plymouth as well. Um, a really disappointing season for them. Um, uh, out of those four clubs that have interest, out of those four clubs, Bradford, Scunthorpe, Walsall, and Plymouth, if you had to bet everything on on uh, on one of them getting promoted next season, which one would it be? Uh, I'd say if they get Ron Lowe, probably Plymouth. I think yeah, because yeah. I think they'll keep. Um, I think he'll be able to if he does keep Carey and Lemiras. I think they'll probably win the league. To be fair, I think that they would have the strongest squad in League Two by an absolute mile. And mm. what he did at Berry and how difficult the circumstances were, I don't think that can be overlooked. Yeah, I think Plymouth will finish the highest out of those four next year. Yeah, I think in the moment the four clubs, I think they all look quite strong outfits for next season. Actually, uh, Bradford under Bowyer. Scunthorpe under Hurst, Warsaw under Daryl Clark, and of course, if Ryan Lowe goes to, to Plymouth, those I think those are all very good managers that they've got in I place. Agree. I think, it's, I I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what business they sort of do and in, in their sort of quest to return to to League One football. Um, but that, that just about wraps up uh, this week's uh, podcast. Um, we we there have reviewed all the, um, the teams from 24th to 18th, the real strugglers of League One this season. Uh, in future episodes, we'll be looking higher up the division. But my thanks must go to to Alex for joining us, uh, joining me, I should say. It's only me this week on the on this week's podcast. Cheers, bro. Uh, yeah, pleasure as always. Enjoyed it. Nice to just waffle on about football for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed that, then 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 let us know. If you've got any feedback, you know, equally let us know, and you can you can do that over on Twitter at L One Lowdown. I'm sure we'll see you again for another podcast next week. This has been the League One Lowdown, and goodbye. <laughs>